Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 23 of Revelation chapter 14, and we'll be reading verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. We uh, have come to the point of the very end of this verse. Uh, and uh, we saw last time that fire and brimstone um, is not literal, it's spiritual, and it comes forth from the mouth of God through the word of God. God's people, as they declare the teaching of the Bible in the day of judgment, are, in a sense, bringing fire and brimstone. But the Bible itself, whether it's declared or not, is teaching fire and brimstone, because that is um, what the Word of God is declaring for the day of judgment. And yet it says here, and this is what we want to look at now in, in this study, that the sinner, the, the one who has worshipped the beast, whose name is not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, is tormented with fire and brimstone. And we know from Revelation 9, the torment is for the figurative five months, which points to the duration of Judgment Day, which very likely will be for 1,600 days. And this is done in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, we have no problem or or no doubt of who is in view by the statement that this is done in the presence of the Lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. The Bible is clear about that. There are many references to him um, as being the Lamb of God. Uh, for instance, if we go back to Revelation 5, it says in verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and so forth. And it, it, it's crystal clear the Lamb 
is the Lord Jesus Christ that offered up himself, as the Bible tells us, from the foundation of the world. The Lamb, according to Revelation 13, 8, was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the one that is getting all the praise and glory and honor in Revelation 5 because he has redeemed his people. He has saved a people for himself. And the Lamb, who is Christ, is the Savior, as John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, is also the judge of all the earth. And God has given to him judgment. And now he sits upon the throne of his judgment. As the Bible says, it mentions that we, in Second Corinthians 5.10, referring to true believers in that verse, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That we must all be made manifest. And that's what's happening today. It's why the Lord has left his people upon the earth. One of the reasons why in the day of judgment to make this appearance, to demonstrate, to show forth what uh, had happened from the foundation of the world, that we were in Christ as he paid for our sins. But anyway, uh, concerning Revelation 14.10, we know that, yes, God is judging the world and, and therefore uh, their uh, torment with fire and brimstone is being accomplished in his presence, the presence of the Lamb. But it also says it's being done in the presence of the holy angels. And we, we have to think about that. What does God mean by holy angels. Angels, we know, the Greek word angelos, or in its plural form, it's angelon, as it is here. That's a plural ending, indicating more than one. It, it's a Greek word that can also properly be understood as messengers. And actually, uh, let's look at a couple of verses um, in Luke Chapter 7, verse 24, will be the first verse. Luke 7, verse 24, says, And when the messengers of John, that is, the the angelon, the, the same Greek word translated as angels, when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. John sent some people, some of his followers to the Lord Jesus to, to ask, um, art thou the one or, or should we look for another? And when the messengers of John were departed, these were people. They were followers of, um, the prophet John and the things that he taught. And, and yet the, the Greek word is the same word that's used uh, and, and translated as angels in Revelation 14.10. Also in Luke chapter 9, we read in verse um, 51 and 52, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. The Lord Jesus is sending messengers, angels, that's, that's the same word translated as angels, before him, and they made ready. It, it, it is the people of Christ, the followers of Christ. They were sent to perform a certain task, and therefore they were his messengers. And whenever God sends forth his people to accomplish a task, his people perform the role or duty of a messenger. When God sent the gospel into the world with a great commission, when it was his plan to evangelize the earth in a day of salvation, the people of God went forth as messengers of the gospel. In John chapter 1, we read of Nathaniel, who has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Nathaniel is convinced that uh, after speaking with Jesus for just a little while, that he is the Messiah. And uh, it says in John one forty nine, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, as we think about this, we have to uh, realize, well, that never happened as far as uh, angelic beings. We there, There's no account in the, in the New Testament where angelic beings are ascending upon Christ and descending upon Christ, and the people of God are witnessing this and seeing that. No, no, that never happened. It, it's only when we look at this from the perspective of God saving sinners that we understand what the Lord Jesus said to Nathaniel. Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God or the messengers of God ascending. Now, when God saves a person, someone in their sin, one of his elect, yet now is the time uh, during that, the course of that person's life that God had determined for them to hear the gospel and, and for the Lord to bless his word to their soul to create a new heart and a new spirit. Instantaneously at that moment, that individual who just became saved is transported into the heavenlies to be seated in Christ Jesus. And, and, and that is what is in view by the angels of God ascending through salvation. Now they didn't go anywhere literally. They, they heard the gospel, um, however they heard it and God saved them and uh, nothing happened. They, they just went about their business and and, of course, the effects of that would eventually show forth in their life and they would do the will of God. But but spiritually, spiritually, they ascended 
as as uh, an angel of God or a messenger of God and descended upon the Son of Man. Now, what does that mean, descended? It means that once God saves someone in time past, immediately that person was commissioned to go forth with the gospel, to be a servant of God, a messenger of the gospel, the same gospel that saved them. Well, you're not to uh, hoard it. You're not to keep it all to yourself. Now you're to go out, uh, go into the world with the gospel. However, you may accomplish that. And, and, uh, and so they ascended spiritually and God, as it were, immediately sent them back to earth to fulfill his will in performing the role of a messenger of his word. And, and so here, angels of God are true believers. They are people that God saved that are commissioned with the task of carrying the word of God. And, and that was the message that as a messenger, they were to bring to others, to their, to their families and friends and, and people, um, whoever they encountered on the earth. Now, when Christ comes, as we were reading in Revelation 14, it's judgment day. It's the time of his coming in judgment. We, we also find in Matthew chapter 25 in verse 31 that it says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels Angelon with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them, one from another as a shepherd, divideth his sheep from the goats. And here Christ is coming with all the holy messengers. Now, it's possible, it's possible that they could be angelic beings, as we read this. God does have a creature that he created, known as angels, that, that he says are ministering spirits, in Hebrews chapter 1, to the heirs of salvation. And are they the ones in view? Well, when we read of the Lord Jesus coming, who do we read that the Bible tells us comes with him? Again and again, when when we read of Christ coming in judgment, who is with him? Do we find uh, angelic beings? Well, let's let's look at Revelation 19. We find Christ is um, uh, is is the judge. In verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. And then in verse 13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Christ is in view, and armies in heaven 
that that are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. God defines or explains who wears white linen, fine linen, white and clean. Earlier in Revelation 19, in verse 8, speaking of the bride of Christ, it, it says, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Saints, not angels. The angels never fell into sin, the ones that remained in heaven. They do not need a covering for their sin because they never sinned. It's only sinners redeemed and washed by the blood of Christ that are given the fine linen, white and clean to wear, which is the righteousness of saints, the righteousness that uh, it, that comes from Christ's righteousness as he paid for all their sins and washed them away uh, through the fires of baptism as as their sins were purged from him. These are the ones that judge the world with Christ. Christ comes with the saints. The, the armies on horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, are the saints of God. Now, that's also what's said in Jude, the little epistle, right before the book of Revelation. In Jude chapter 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. And ten thousands would point to completeness with all of his saints to bring judgment. So when we read, as we did in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, that Christ comes with his holy angels, or as we're reading in Revelation fourteen ten, that um, the cup of the wrath of God is given to the wicked, those that that worship the beast, and they are tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels or holy messengers, and in the presence of the Lamb, the holy angels, holy messengers, can only be referring to the people of God. Actually, the word holy is hagios. It's Strong's number 40. And it is the word translated as saints in Jude and elsewhere. It's the word saints. Holy and saints are the same word. And, and so these are the saints, the saint messengers. They are the people of God. The Lord Jesus comes with ten thousands of his holy, of his saints. His elect people that have been cleansed by him. And we, we can see why it says that the judgment of the wicked is done in the presence or before the, the holy messengers and before God. God is omnipotent. He, he is all powerful and, and, um, omniscient. He, he's everywhere present and knows all things. And, and so no matter 
where the judgment were uh, worked out or, or accomplished. It would be in his presence. But God has left his people remaining alive and living on the earth in the day of judgment. And it's the vast majority of his people, the great multitude that completed his saving work. It's an overwhelming majority of all those that he would save throughout all history. Maybe God saved a handful of million in all previous history, and then he saved the best for last and saved tens of millions in the little season of the Great Tribulation when the world's population would mushroom and expand to billions of people for the first time in the world's history. God saved a great multitude from every nation and tongue and so forth. And and therefore, those living on the earth are the overwhelming majority of God's elect. And yet, all of the elect are in view as, as coming with Christ in judgment because it is that fact, that fact alone, that permitted God to shut the door of heaven, to put out the light of the gospel, to... Uh, and his salvation program. All the elect have been saved, and therefore they all are um, as a weapon in his hand to break in pieces the unsaved people of the earth. Now, as it says here that this is accomplished or performed or done in the presence of the holy messengers, it reminds us, of what we read when we went through Psalm 37. And there's a couple of verses in this psalm, but I'm just going to read one of them that that really um, uh, uh, has application uh, to this. It says in Psalm 37, verse 34, Wait on Jehovah and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, Thou shalt see it. Thou shalt see it. And and here God is speaking to his people, telling them to wait, which is something we've learned is very important for these days after the tribulation. It's of great necessity. Uh, In your patience, possess ye your souls. We must wait on the Lord during a severe time of trial and testing of um, the people of God and during a time of the pouring out of his wrath upon the rest of mankind, it, it, it's an uh, extremely important thing to wait. And we have seen the wicked cut off when God shut the door of heaven. It, it was much cutting off every unsaved individual of the earth as renting the veil of the temple, cut off national Israel. It was an action performed by God it, with one blow, with closing that spiritual door. God cut off every unsaved person in the earth, and we are witnesses as these things come forth from the word of God And God opens up this information as he reveals the righteous judgment of God in the day of wrath. We uh, are seeing it with eyes of faith. We are 
seeing it and it's being done in our very presence. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.